during this Lenten season, we're being guided by the image of holy longing. And it could be that some of us here this morning are deeply resonating with that theme. And it could be that others of us are wondering, oh, really? Just what is holy longing anyhow? I mean, what's the difference between a holy longing and an ordinary, everyday longing? And is the church really the place where we want to be thinking about these things? I mean, isn't thinking about our longings, isn't that focusing too much on ourselves? Isn't faith supposed to be focused on God and what God wants, not on what we want? And then there's the question of the nature of longing itself. I mean, is it something to be trusted? After all, and here I use the words of Ruth Haley Barton, are not our desires shot through with human deception and sinful urges that can overtake us and propel us down paths that we ought not travel? Dare we trust that these desires, that our longings might take us someplace good. Now, to be sure, not every desire or longing within us is good or healthy or holy. There are desires within us that work against the life of the spirit within us. Desires rooted in selfish ambition, in pride, lust, fear, self-protection, and many other unexamined motives. Yet, could it be that our heart's deepest longings for, for love, for connection and belonging, for meaning, for deep peace, could it be that these longings, our deepest longings, spring from a holy place? Could it be, in the words of Philip Sheldrake, that our most authentic desires spring ultimately from the deep inner wells where the longing for God runs freely? Well, throughout history, <clears throat> saints and mystics have said yes, that our deepest longings, the deepest desires of our hearts, have their source in God. And they are meant to draw us toward God. As Augustine of Hippo wrote in his Confessions, Our hearts are restless, Lord, until they find their rest in you. A contemporary contemplative by the name of Joyce Rupp, at least I consider her to be a contemplative, she expresses it this way in one of her prayers. Oh God, the stirring in my distracted heart, this movement of love's awakening, this return to my essential trueness, the growing desire for communion, all this emergent yearning is for you is, and is from you. Like a diamond sparkling in the sunlight, so are you in the center of my depths. Leading, drawing, coaxing, alluring me as I find my way to you, toward the jewel 
of your exquisite love. It is toward this loving presence that the psalmist, whose prayer we heard read this morning in Psalm 63, is drawn. It is, in fact, a prayer of very intense longing. O God, you are my God. I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. This verse took on new meaning for me several years ago as I traveled through the scorching Arizona desert in the middle of July. Even with a water bottle in hand, I was parched by the oven-like heat. I just couldn't get enough to drink. And at the end of the day, in the comfort of my air-conditioned room, I found myself praying Psalm 63. The words just sort of came to me, and I found myself praying it in a new way. I found myself appreciating the intensity of the psalmist's thirst, having experienced it myself, a deep thirst that permeated his body and his soul. And I was struck that his longing for God was, was so visceral. It was felt deeply in his body, and it, it was basic to his very existence. And I noticed that this longing drew him right into the heart of God. This longing expressed by the psalmist and expressed by Joyce Rupp in her prayer is what I would call holy longing. Longing that comes from God and that draws us toward God. And longing that ultimately grows out of God's longing for us. Now, this last statement may give us some pause. I mean, sure, we long for God. But does God actually long for us? I mean, why would God need to do that? Yet throughout the Bible, we do find very poignant images of a longing God, three of which are offered to us by Jesus in Luke 15. We have an image of a shepherd whose longing for his sheep is so great that he leaves everything behind to search for that one sheep that is lost. We see the image of God as a woman who sweeps and cleans and turns her house upside down until she finds that one coin that has been missing. And we see God imaged as a father who day after day watches and waits for his wayward son to return home. These are pictures of a longing God. And in this morning's passage from Isaiah 55, we see this God longing to satisfy our deepest hungers and to quench our deepest thirsts. In these verses from Isaiah 55, that Sheldon read for us, we see God calling out, uh, perhaps like a merchant calling out to passers-by in a crowded marketplace, hey, come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. All you who have no money, come, buy, eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. 
Now, to any passerby, this would seem like an extravagant offer, and it, it certainly is, especially as we look deeper into these verses and see that what is being offered is far more than food or drink. What is being offered is an everlasting covenant with God, a covenant of steadfast, sure love, a relationship anchored in the love and mercy of a living God. The cost? Well, there is no cost except for hunger and thirst and for a deep desire for the gift that is being offered. But sometimes that desire in us is faint. And sometimes desire, hunger, and thirst seek their satisfaction in other sources. And so in verse 2 of chapter 55 of Isaiah, we hear God who offers to satisfy our deepest longings lamenting. Why do you spend your money on that which is not bread? And your labor on that which does not satisfy. We see Jesus himself as he's tempted in the wilderness, confronting this temptation to fulfill his longings, to satisfy the deepest hungers of his heart with something or someone other than God. And over 2,000 years later, that temptation remains very real for us. It seems, at least from my perspective, that we have very little tolerance for hunger in our lives. We reach quickly to fill our emptiness, not just with food, but with nonstop messaging from our cell phones and computers, and with more and more activities to crowd our schedules, and with new gadgets and new clothes and new books and, yes, new bikes, and the list goes on. It's difficult for many of us to pause long enough to listen to those deeper stirrings within, to sit with them, and to invite God into that space with us. Yet this process of listening to that deeper place within is so terribly important. Because it is there that we hear the heartbeat of God's longing for us and for our world. I could talk a long time about listening to the heartbeat of God's longing and what that has meant in my own life and how that has brought me to the place where I find myself today, here with you in a place that I might never have imagined that I would be, and something for which I am incredibly grateful. I also know that while listening to the heartbeat of God's longing often takes place within the quiet shelter of our own prayerful process, it also takes place, and it needs to take place, within the gathered body of Christ here among us as we gather for worship, here among us as we 
<clears throat> come together to hear and remember and to sing and to pray the story of God's love and longing for the world. We need to hear this story often because it runs so counter to the story of our culture, so counter to the story of the empire of which we are a part. It's a story in which power is made perfect, not through domination, coercion, or military might, but in weakness and vulnerability. It's a story in which our deepest hungers are filled, not by status or wealth or success, but by God's unending love for each one of us. It's a story in which God's response to brokenness and sin in our world is not harsh punishment or disengagement, but costly longing that reaches out to heal, to restore, to make whole. This is a subversive story, a story that is at odds with a story that predominates our world. And so we desperately need this gathered body as a place of reorientation, as a place where we can bring our longings to be shaped and reshaped by the longings of God. And that's why we're here this morning, to learn, to hear, to sing, to pray, and to practice God's alternative story. Or put another way, to join our longings with God's longing for the world. And sometimes, as we listen to the heartbeat of God's longing together, as a body, we become aware of holy longing stirring in our midst. And some amazing things begin to happen. We listen to holy longing stirring among us. And a group of people commit themselves to showing up every Monday night, Monday night after Monday night after Monday night, all throughout the year, to welcome our guests at Community Meal. We listen to holy longing, stirring among us. And an effort to address homelessness in Lancaster City takes shape and grows into Chestnut Housing Corporation. And safe, warm, dry, affordable housing becomes a reality for one more family in our community. We listen to holy longing stirring in our midst. And a teacher appreciation team forms to support McCaskey East teachers and staff. A group mobilizes to help our congregation more intentionally care for God's creation. Folks meet to discuss how we might join with others in our community to welcome the strangers, to welcome the refugees among us. And others of us think together about how we might more faithfully and visibly give witness to Jesus' reign among us. And the list goes on. 
Where all these longings take, take us, we, we don't know. We can't see right now where we will end up, where these longings will lead us. But we trust that they come from God. And we trust that they draw us to God. And in trust, we offer them to God along with our best intentions and efforts. And in the process, we discover along the way that we ourselves are changed, that we ourselves are transformed. In the words of Ruth Haley Barton, we experience transformation as we choose a way of life that opens us to the presence of God in the places of our being where our truest desires and our deepest longings stir. In that place, we hear the heartbeat of God's longing connecting with our own. We claim it, we offer it to God, and we live it as fully as we can. May we embrace this journey and follow faithfully wherever it leads, giving thanks to God.